listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin. Like many of our episodes today, we're talking about an album of note. We're digging in depth, checking it out, sharing our thoughts on it, sharing uh, little bits of trivia and all that. I have Mark Grundhofer back with me again, calling up from Georgia. And we're talking about one of my all-time favorites. This, this week was a real joy for me. I'm a huge Talking Heads fan, and I love Remain in Light. This, our, uh, our conversation is a little all over the place, but not too unlike uh, the brain of Mr. David Byrne himself, I would say. So yeah, we're just going to pretty much kick into it. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to leave a rating or write a review uh, wherever you listen to them, go ahead and, and give the, the pod a little boost, give it a little bump in the algorithm. Uh, otherwise, we're going to dive in. Let's go. Hey, Mark, what album are we talking about today? All right. Remain in Light, Talking Heads. Goddamn right we are. Really, I mean, really good album. One of my, one of my, uh, not my favorite by Talking Heads, and we can talk about that, but definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely up there and uh, has, has a couple of my like favorite songs, but as a full album, I don't know if it would be my favorite, but there's, there's some, there's some real jams on this on this record there are jams indeed Uh um yeah i mean obviously i love this album um i was the one who suggested we talk about it today i've been meaning to talk about this album for like months Mm. so thank you for (laughs) giving me this uh this opportunity today yeah and boy oh boy are we gonna get into it um yeah if we're gonna tackle right off the bat it's the question of remain in light or what the hell is the one after called? Speaking in stop, tongues. Speaking in tongues. I, mm-hmm. I always want to say stop making sense. Which is my favorite. Yeah. So it's 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 often a question of speaking in tongues or remain in light. Yeah. So just to clear the air right off the bat, I love both and they're different. I think it's apples and oranges. They are different. And there's reasons that I like yeah. moments in both, but but full album, yeah. you know, full you, if, party album. If I have to pick, speaking in tongues is 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 the one for me. It's it's the top to bottom flawless like weird 80s party album. Right, which is great. And also, you know, if we're talking studio albums, that's where I go. But of course, I find myself just I find myself just I I'll put on stop making sense before any other oh, yeah. talking heads record, you know. Amazing amazing music. It's just documentary, so, concert yeah, video. Yes, yeah. All the above. Uh, everything. It's just it's so good. The sound quality is great. The way they did some of those arrangements are you know, flawless. Masterful. I, yeah, I love it. Um, uh, and, and I really love the, uh, you know, the visuals. As an album, it's great, but the, the, the concert video is right. even better. And I, I, when I teach, uh, I teach these rock band classes and camps over the summer, and I always use several videos from that concert as like, this is what you should do. <laughs> you know, if, you're, if, I've got, if I've got students that are standing still on stage, I'm, I'm like, Watch, watch what David Byrne is doing up here. Watch what the whole band is doing. You know, choreography can be, you know, it, you know, it really elevate the music to the next level. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we could do a whole episode just on their their live right. presence. I mean, but, but some of the best songs on "Stop Making Sense" came off of "Remain in Light." So that's true. Yeah, um, you know, uh, 
especially, you know, once in a lifetime. I mean, maybe one of the most perfect songs that the Talking Heads ever put together. I love yeah, it. Yeah, the uh, the the radio hit from this album. Yeah, yeah, but it's such it's such a great radio hit, though. I mean, I I love the song "Burning Down the House," but "Burning Down the House" has a very uh, you, you kind of figure out what burning down the house is all about within the first couple bars of it. You know, it's it's a simple song. It doesn't change too much. Now, Once in a Lifetime, I've, I've got some kind of music theory things that I've delved in with that one. Um, but Once in a Lifetime follows the same formula. It doesn't really change. And yet it has so much like complex harmony. And it's uh, a thinker song. It kind of stays with you throughout the course. You know, how many people ask themselves, oh, how did I get here? You yeah. Know, that's a pretty universal question to be asking in a pop song. Well, I mean, yeah, right. He's, he's trying to be like a, I think he's trying to be like a TV. A preacher. He's inspired by all the, the preachers he'd hear across the country. But but on, on the music level, like Once in a Lifetime is really cool because like all the tracks on this record, it's 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 a groove that they play you know this like this, re- this record would have been yeah, this record would have been so easy to make today with Pro Tools and with Logic and GarageBand and just looping, oh, just looping. Got all the life sucked right, out. Right, but of what it. I'm saying is like you can it's just a bunch loop. of patterns interlocking together. Exactly. Once in a lifetime is a baseline that never changes, like ever. Tina Weymouth is so important in this album. Oh yeah, like big time. But I've got there's some funny kind of things that I've heard about. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Um, so. The th- so once in a lifetime, what I always found, like even when I was younger and I heard this tune, I was like, I I, I kind of didn't understand it because, like the bass line, doesn't change yeah. through the whole thing, right? And yet, your brain is tricked into hearing this chord progression in the chorus versus the verse as being different. Yeah, and yet it kind of brightens up. Yeah, and I mean, I know the guitar is playing, but it's got a lot to do with like the vocal harmonies, the guitar, yeah. you know, some of the other instruments kind of changing the group. But, Synth and but stuff. the drums and the bass yeah. really don't change from verse to chorus. And I always found that so intriguing. Like how- It tricks your brain. How do they do that? Yeah, exactly. Like how do they do that? Now, how much, so there's so many questions that get raised with that. Is, is that Brian Eno? Is that- the magic of uh, his contribution yeah. here and where he comes in, and the, the, this album, this album is so many things. And if we think of like uh, speaking in tongues, uh, the analogy I, I, that comes to mind for me is like speaking in tongues is like uh, Van Morrison's Moon Dance. Okay, it's got all the the radio hits. It's mm. a great introduction. It's mm. just like a solid album. And then Remain in Light is like Astral Weeks. Okay, where. It's a little more divisive. It's out there. Yeah, it's weird, yeah. but it's like only that artist could have made it, and it's like maybe a little more transcendental. Yeah. And the first five songs on Remain in Light are... Oh, yeah. The first five, yeah, right? The first five <laughs> are, you know, there's there's, the funky there's very ones. few people that'll go, ooh, I don't like a song in the first five. The last three songs are... Up for debate more. Fairly throwaway to a certain... Now, I love the last track. The last track sounds like, you know... You like the overload, yeah, yeah I do. Okay. I really do. So you're do you tell me, seen and not seen is throwaway. Yeah, that, his... that's the one. That's my least favorite on the record. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, seen and not seen. I don't know. For for me, this album is the fr- the first five is like, oh my god, awesome, mm-hmm. just top tier yeah. of of yeah. just recorded music history. Right. And then the last three are like cool. They're not, uh, you know, I listen to the first five songs a lot more than I would the last three, but I always I like them when they come on. 
seen and not seen like the message of that and his little poetry that he gets mm-hmm. into about people sculpting their face. Right. Like that's just brilliant to me. That's like a short story. Yeah. But yeah, the music isn't, it's not as dancey. It's not as like blow your mind. Um, but still the textures are so cool in the whole thing. So yeah, well, I mean, speak an overload. Yeah. I mean, the the record... L- Listening Wind might be my least favorite if I have to pick and one. And that's, that's... Even there, I still... Yeah. I like Adrian Blue. And well, that, yeah, that's... that's he's, he's a whole other part of this album. That's what really brought me into this record was, was him. Um, uh, you want, I'll tell you... Adrian Blue, yeah. You know, so I've always been a Talking Heads fan since, you know, I can remember. But I was, I was definitely a fan of the hits. I didn't really delve into the, to the albums as much. It was more like, oh, I was, you know, in the 90s, I'd be listening to, you know, classic rock radio and... You know, burning down the house or take me to the river or something would be on. Um, I, I heard Stop Making Sense. I mean, I saw the DVD in, in college and it was like, like, mind blowing. It, it changed my whole trajectory of like live show music and, and all that. It was, a, it was a big. I saw it when I was 14. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was the, he was the coolest guy, the coolest yeah. front man I'd ever seen because up until that point they all seemed either just kind of bland mm-hmm. or like kind of vain, maybe ego yeah. driven. Yeah. Uh, this was he's fascinating as a as a front person. He's so original. And just to have that huge band, um, and the huge uh, suit, and the huge yeah everything. But with going back to Remain in Light, the first time I heard the first time I heard the album in its entirety, which if if you know, fans of the podcast have heard me talk about them quite a bit. Uh, was not talking. I didn't hear Talking Heads perform the album. The first time I heard this album is in, is in its entirety was Fish. Fish. Fish played it from start to finish at, at their Halloween show in 96. Now, I wasn't there, but I had a friend who was really into them and got the bootleg tapes and traded tapes. And they played it super faithfully. Yeah, right? well, as faithfully as just four guys, you know, yeah, who yeah. aren't, you know, who... In, I mean, in the '90s, Fish. You, you, if Fish is a loose band now, in the '90s they were even looser. So, um, <laughs> you know, and those last couple tracks are 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 pretty raw. But but I just remember listening to Fish play, and I was like, man, I really like this. And 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 of course, Fish takes the sort of goofy uh, funk aspects of it and like elevates it to even more. I'm catching yeah. up with myself. <laughs> So that was the first time I heard the album from start to finish, and I and I really, and born under punches. I was like, oh, that little keyboard riff is so cool. So then I, you know, then I delved into the actual uh, record, and I had yeah. heard Once in a Lifetime, um, but I don't think I'd heard because Once in a Lifetime is really the only like hit hit song off of it. Um, yeah, and then it was funny at the time. This sold way worse than their previous three albums. Like this was not that commercially yeah. viable for a while. And and that's where that's where you kind of wonder about you know you know they didn't make this record the traditional way not at all the the band was kind of falling apart um, there were riffs they were like how do we deal with uh, David Burns con- control freak tendencies do we want to do our own thing right right my understanding was he was off with Eno recording his own record or at least they were trying to my life and- in the bush of ghosts. That's it, yeah. Awesome album. And I don't know if you've heard that one, too. I have, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I mean, ever since getting into these, I'm, I'm a big fan of just about everything that, that any of these guys do. Talking Heads, David Byrne Solo, Tom Tom Club. Tom Tom Club. Mm-hmm, all that. Uh, 
I, th- I think Stop Making Sense is the is the greatest concert uh, film of all time. I think only second. I'd, I'd be I right think, there with you. I think second might be American Dystopia. I mean, it's so good. Have you seen? Oh, I don't it? even know what that is. David Burns. No. Uh, oh, oh, the the recent. The Broadway I, show. American U- Utopia. Utopia. Well, is might, it dystopia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, U- I haven't seen it yet. I've heard it's, it's Utopia. School. Sorry, he might be okay, be okay <laughs> with that club. There. Yeah, um, yeah. If you have, oh man, that is that's on on. I mean, All right. that's if, that's on HBO Max, right? That that's yeah. on the list. It's so so good. It's so good. That 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 they do such a good job with it. Um, they do like Born Under Punches in that show and. Um, you know they do they do classic Talking Heads tunes. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. some less than classic Talking Heads tunes, and then David Byrne tunes. Um, you know the whole band's standing, so everyone's playing while marching around. Um, Everybody's in gray, right? Yeah, it's great. It's really good. The same so kind if, of gray as is his old big suit. Right, right. Um, uh, so so yeah, you know I, I wonder I wonder if going back to the original thought, I wonder if some of the ways that this re, you know. This might be like the ultimate fan album because right the songs are long. There's six, seven minute songs on it, right? At least the first three. I mean, the the first three songs are side A of yeah. of the album. Um, o- that, Overload is over six minutes. Yeah, so you've got the Great all Curve these is over six minutes. Yeah, you got all these longer songs. Y- you know the the lyrics. The songs were written first. The songs were written and finished, and then the lyrics were thrown in right. later. He, he created words from, like, nonsense sounds. Mm-hmm. Like, David Byrne would would sing, just vocalize whatever came to his head to this music. Right. And then, like, sculpted it into actual words later, like, piece by piece. And the only song on the album that even has, like, a cohesive narrative or characters or anything is The Listening Wind. Yeah. Maybe but, part but of the I, reason why I don't like it as yeah. much. But I wonder if I wonder if for the casual music fan, if just those elements kind of coming together the way they did just turn people off from this record. I don't know. It's it's really weird. Like this is the you know. Oh my god, I keep forgetting the name of it. It's not stop making sense. Speaking in tongues. Speaking so tongues. speaking in tongues is like uh, you know along with Psycho Killer. It's yeah. it's the entry point. It's yeah. oh these are still songs and uh, they're not so repetitive and. Um, they're kind of friendlier, they're mm-hmm. more re- ready for radio, and hey, but they're a little quirky, you know. Uh, this this David Byrne guy has kind of got an unusual voice, so he's kind of unusually dressed or just has weird manners. But you go into Remain in Light, and it's like, okay, we're we're in it now. Like, yeah. what is this world? And right. Like I said, I I saw uh, Stop Making Sense at like fourteen, like. This album was was really mind blowing for me as like a 13, 14 year old, mm-hmm. like. You know, forget Led Zeppelin or The Who. Like, I wanted to sing along to Born Under Punches. Yeah. And yeah, it's a little off-putting sure. to people. Like, that yeah. is, it's weird. It, it empowers just total weirdness. Right. And originality. And it's it's does so brilliantly. I kind of, but I mean, to that point, I kind of, um, you know, some of my favorite records are the ones that I've been able to spend time with. Uh, with old bands of mine, you know, like when I play, yeah, when yeah. I play in a band, it's like, hey, let's do a cool cover or whatever. And we would do lots of Talking Heads, but we never touched anything. We never touched anything off this record because, oh God, yeah, it, it's it's not that it's hard to do, but if you're if you're, um, I mean, you know, a, a song like, uh, I mean, a song like Born Under Punches, you you, it, it's tough. To, like you listening to Fish play it, it's tough to do it as four people, and we were a four piece, but like. 
you need some background singers. You need so auxiliary parts, percussionists. You have to be you so need, precise for it yeah, to work. Yeah, because it's essentially a you know it's it's every every tr- every instrument on there just played for six minutes, and then the next instrument played for six minutes. Then the next, and they just layered them on top and started cutting things out and adding them. But it's 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 a massive band playing um, these these tunes, which is why for David Byrne's Broadway show, I think doing Born Under Punches works so well because he has a band of twelve people and. You've got a guy, you, you know, the, the, there's no one drummer in the band because he's walking around. So you have four or five people playing the individual drums and it's kind of set up that way. Uh, there's no tracks playing. So if there's a shaker, then someone has to play the shaker. Um, you know, if there's a, if there's some weird percussion instruments, a triangle, someone's got to play it. And that's what they do on that show. I think it makes it, I think it works really well. But for like my bands, which were just four piece rock bands, yeah, we could do burning. We could do burning down the house. We could do psycho killer. Yeah, um, but we, right, we could. Their sound do, used to be so much more minimal. If you even just yeah. go back a couple of albums. Yeah. Well, I mean, their sound used to be a, you know, punk band basically, a garage band. Um, to think they went from CBGBs to this, in right? Like for sure, four years, three years. Not a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They went the whole kind of thing about this album is they went from this dynamic of David Byrne, the front man leader, and everybody kind of just plays along with what he's doing to, no, we're going to have true 100% like communal collaboration. And these songs are going to come out of everybody putting together their own pieces. And it's it's a totally different way of of making music. And I don't know how many other bands have, have pulled it off so brilliantly. As, as they were able to in this album. There are just so many pieces that fit together so well. And like right. the extra help that we had, like we talked about Adrian Ballou doing his, his guitar magic, um, so many amazing solos. And they had like yeah. uh, John Hassel doing the brass arrangement on stuff like Houses in Motion. And Is that the one that, is he the one that, he played the trumpet through all the, yeah, yeah. the, the, fe- the effects? Right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Which is a cool trumpet part that doesn't even sound like a trumpet. Oh yeah, um, so cool. But now, now, I, I have a real appreciation for this album from the standpoint that uh, I, I love, and the purists won't agree. Yeah. I love the Adrian Bellew era of King Crimson because it just sounds like Talking Heads Ooh. doing doing prog rock. Now, basically. now I want to hear that. Um, I I only know in the Court of the Crimson King. I, Oh, you, you, you got me interested to. in the rest now. Oh, there's a there's uh uh, what are the albums? Um, Beat. Uh, red. Three of a perfect pair. Something like no, that. No, red is before. Oh, okay. Red is before. I'm or, out of my element or, here. He's only he's only there's only three albums with him. I have all three. I can't think of the third one, but yeah. Um, but like Beat, the album Beat. Yeah. Oh man, it, right, it sounds like it sounds like a Talking Heads record with prog rock musicians on it and then three of a perfect pair is one of my favorite records of all time and i love progressive rock i love old queen crimson but adrian really brought in this new uh, well i mean he, he he allowed them to write pop songs um you know you imagine like yes doing the pop era stuff you know now you've got king crimson doing the same thing but they went more talking head style where they were playing with you know the different polyrhythms and African drumming and, and uh, you know, kind of other uh, cultural, bringing other cultures into the music 
and yeah, writing quote the, unquote the, the pop songs. The influence of African mm-hmm. music to some degree, Fela Kuti was taking hold. Yeah, it really feels like Adrian went from being a part of this project because I mean, prior to that, what was he doing? Like Zappa's band, I think he was, or he was working with Zappa, and so he 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 comes and and plays on this Talking Heads record, and then it's like a year later he joins King Crimson, and so he's he take it. It feels like. He took this record, heard what he was doing, heard, enjoyed it, and kind of took it over to King Crimson. I could be totally wrong. Maybe it's just coincidental, but that's what it sounds uh, like to me. I'd be willing to bet. Um, you know, this album comes out in 1980. There's nothing right. touching this in the 70s. Like no. this, So the, the, yeah. the shadow that this album cast and kind of the different, you know, places where it had influence over the ensuing decade, I got to believe that, mm-hmm. you know, that that was something that was going on. Uh for sure. You know, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, you would like to do Talking Heads covers with your band, but you never tried to do this album. This is such a, this is like what I would call a don't even try album. Like, you know, I, I listen to a lot of music with, all right, what can I get out of this or learn from this? Like, as it applies mm-hmm. to me making music for Niagara mm-hmm. Moon and with this, it's like, don't even try. There's there's so many elements here that are so strong and and brilliant, but they're like, unique to the the individuals who were able to to accomplish this stuff like that just the the rhythm section alone and how they were able to really influence like the composition process more like that's a huge part of what makes this album so so wonderful and unique and i think you i think as a member of the band you had to be willing to try some different things because um you know like jerry for example you know guitar player for the band and keyboardist too you know but I think I think this is where he really started. I mean, you see him on "Stop Making Sense" more often than not, sitting behind the keyboards. So this is where um, he had to make that transition. These, I mean, I, I wonder if this is where because you think about all these layers of instruments, right? You got to have someone to play them, and then when you think about how are we going to do this live, well, you know, once in a lifetime, there's only guitar on the chorus, you know, right? There's there's not really a, a or at least a, a very memorable guitar part on the verses, you know. Um, so what's he going to do for all that time? It kind of reminds me of like like uh, you know Ed O'Brien in, in Radiohead, right? Like he had to really he's the third guitarist. He had to really figure out like some other things that he can do on the songs that that in the studio they're experimenting with all these wacky instruments. This, this has a lot of parallels to Kid A. It sure does a lot. Yeah. And both both albums are like the highest rated of their decade by Pitchfork or something. Mm, <laughs> no, they're they're yeah. they're music hipster favorites and. They're they're both examples of a band. You know, they they're they're albums and albums in. They're having some amount of success, but they like take their formula and totally insist on turning it on its head and taking mm-hmm. huge risks and like searching in the dark for something new. Yeah. And it, there's so many ways it could have gone wrong or like you know been a mess. Um, I don't know. Have you ever heard like the the outtakes, the unfinished? Outtakes from Remain in Light that are, I mean, I heard them on Spotify this past week. Uh, I was going to say, in that deluxe yeah. version, there's a bunch of like, those, yeah. I mean, I haven't, I haven't listened to them like, like with real focus. They're yet, not, wor- they're, they kind of stink. It's, it's like they're a window yeah. into, okay, what if this experiment didn't work out and like not enough of the pieces came together? I mean, they're on, they're outtakes, they're unfinished, like they're supposed to be kept to themselves. Yeah. So that's whatever, that's pretty standard, but it's like, oh, this could have felt like punishingly repetitive or not had enough in it or just seemed goofy or forced. Like 
some, and again, I wonder if that's Brian Eno coming in and having the band strike the perfect balance of like density and like complex ideas where they can be, but then like stripping it away in other moments. So it's still like, you know, yeah. the music still hits you like viscerally. Well, see, I, and I don't know, I've, I've heard through reading like, you know, some of the different books and things over the years and just, just interviews and whatever. Like, it, it sounds to me like, I don't know, I don't know where Brian Eno's contribution, like, like it, it, when, when you really, like, where does it really land? Because it seemed like he caused more problems than, than good when he was in there. I mean, oh, really? I know that the, uh, the, the, the original studio engineer quit because he was tired of trying to keep Brian Eno from erasing uh, Tina's bass parts. Like, he kept going in over, overnight and erasing her parts and then re-recording them. And so then the engineer would be like, hey, Brian erased all your parts. Do you want to come in and re-record your parts that he already recorded because he erased your original ones? So I don't know. But um, we, ju- we just got done saying that so much of what makes this album great is the bass. So maybe he's just doing the work that needs to be done. You know, he, he knows. That well, the- but, she, but she, record, she re-recorded the whole record is my understanding. Like after he erased so her parts, was was that she like was he in. wanting to get her to play it differently or play it more sparsely, and they had to come to some sort of compromise? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it, see that's where I don't know if there was like an ego thing going on because originally well, there were plenty of ego things going on, <laughs> right? But but originally I think they brought him in and said, "Hey, come come do this record with us," and he was like, "Sure, if it's." Talking Heads and Brian Eno as the oh record. I didn't even hear about that the the only thing yeah. I heard about it was he had produced two albums already he wasn't really interested in doing a third one but was kind of like pulled in by hearing the demos I don't know beyond that what was going on I've re- so well that was the th- okay interesting he yeah he was he was that was the whole thing was it was going to be that re- album was supposed to be um, again this is through I think this is from from like uh, uh, Chris's book he was supposed to be. Uh, Talking Heads and Brian Eno, right? But then they said, "Well, if we do that, you have to." Well, they you did, have to go uh, on David Byrne and Brian Eno yeah. for "My Life in the Bush right. of Ghosts," and that's the album that sounds most like this album more than any other Talking Heads. Yeah, album maybe to me. I think the reason they ended up not that it was just a Talking Heads record is that they told Brian Eno he'd have to go on tour with them because they can't tour it. They have to tour the album as Talking Heads and Brian Eno, and he said, no, I don't want to go on tour. And he thought, no, yeah, no, I don't yeah. want to go on the road. So then it just became you the Talking win. Heads. But, but then also the other thing, and this is where, this is where you get into that, that realm of like, you know, this band was on the brink, and, and how did they survive this? But, you know, writing credit on the album is, uh, is David Byrne, Brian Eno, and Talking Heads. Whereas, yeah, that's kind of BS, isn't it? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, not not to mention not to mention then there's the whole uh, cover art debacle, which was the cover art. Oh, yeah. was, the cover art was done by Chris and Tina, and like and like some at computer, MIT or yeah, something? like some computer scientists because it was like the first CGI like something or the other. I don't know. Um, and then they didn't get and credit. And like the computer was the size of a room. Right. You know, just to like put some red blocks on their faces. Right. And those weird blocks is like state-of-the-art technology and looks, you know, I mean, it's great. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. the album cover, but it looks so cheesy when you right. think about when you think about how awesome it, it was at the time. Um, but I, I think, the, I think they, the guy, whoever did the logo, 
or the wording where he put the A upside down, um, he got credit for the cover art, even though he didn't. He just put the text on it. So, mm. I mean, there's there's just a lot there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I mean, this this band has always been you know contentious. Like there's 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 always been problems and and big egos and you know. David yeah. Burns. David Burns probably pretty tough to work with. Well, he's probably tough to work with if you're not just doing what he says. Oh yeah, if you're on the payroll, then it's great. But if you're keep your head down, follow the yeah. plan. Because I mean, he's because he's also he's so unique right. and brilliant, and he's done so many things that other musicians never even attempted yeah. to tackle. And he, you know, he's a unique sort of person. He he made a, a feature length yeah. film. That's like yeah. pretty funny and interesting a few years later. Uh, he's done a million different projects and just really ambitious dude. He made a building that's an instrument. Yeah. I mean, so you're working with somebody like that. You're not working <laughs> You're not working with John Anderson. Right. Who's just ready to put together the next album. Have you, have you read this book, uh, How Music Works? I, I listened to the audio book. It's great. If you're, if you're a musician, it's great. If you're, not, if you're not like working in the industry, it might be less of a I mean it's kind of like a textbook there were you know um and it's just really interesting observations they're like huh I didn't think of it that way but you get a real insight into how he works and uh maybe it should be called how how David Byrne works but he's how David uh, Byrne works (laughs) he's I mean he's he's an interesting guy I mean we we don't need a book to tell us that we don't need a book to this book that he wrote for us to know he's an interesting guy he uh I mean just watch watching him yeah, it's probably safe to say he's neurodiverse. His mind doesn't work like For a lot sure. of other people, and uh, he's he plays the role of like For our benefit. Oh yeah, oh a hundred percent. One of my favorite frontmen. There's a reason that Stop Making Sense is like our favorite uh, concert film, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Like, I'm generally right. not even that interested in in live music as a thing. Like, I, I'm so much more. I go mm-hmm. towards albums and, and studio work, but like. If I had a time yeah. machine, boy, do I want to see Talking Heads in their prime. Like, yeah. wow, would that be special. Yeah. So the guy is just, yeah, there's there's really no one else like him. His brain must work in a very unique, interesting way. He also, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it would be difficult to collaborate with somebody like him unless you can really, like, hold your own. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's probably a battle. Um yeah, I, well, I definitely recommend how music works to any to anybody with even like a casual interest in like the history of music and pop music the, and and the and the nice thing about it is you don't have to read every chapter. Yeah, like it's it's not a story. It's not a story, so you can like pick no, out. he covers a lot of different kinds of ideas. If you're not if you're not into the music business side of it, skip the the financial talks about it. <laughs> well, it yeah, that's yeah, it gets a little that, dry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting for me to hear his observations on mm-hmm. something like that. But yeah, it's 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 more interesting hearing like, you know, Gregorian chant music sounds the way it does because of this environment, yeah. and you know, all those kinds right. of logical conclusions right. that he draws. Are pretty which is cool. which is which is cool because I mean, it, it it you know, like this record, Remain in Light, is so influenced by you know uh, African music. The the yes. uh, so there's there's him bringing in this this polyrhythm central this cult, and even just the messages too right like like a lot of the uh, the yeah. imagery that 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 they're using so the great curve it's really yeah and what a, what a cool what a cool tune going back to Adrian uh, Bellu he he was told to play on that and he's like where do you want me to play 
because there <laughs> yeah. were no lyrics on it. There was no singing on the song when he was asked to play. So they just said, you play, David will write around your guitar parts. Which is nice. kind of which is kind of cool, and, and it seems to work really well. And of course, there's, you know, some of those some of the guitar playing in it is just weird effects and, which is which is such which is such a move of his. I mean, he that's why that's why I love those uh, those King Crimson albums. You get all these kind of, as a guitar player. I love hearing guitar taken to the next level, right? You know, guitar played not like a guitar sometimes, which I think is that Frank Zappa influence. Um, yeah, yeah, and he, he was, you know, there was a lot of technology coming out in the guitar pedal scene and different ways to, you know, digital technology yeah. was taking hold. Uh, my favorite guitar solo in this album might be on Born Under Punches with the little, like, Pac-Man yeah, sound which is, thing he which gets is, going. I, 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 think, I think I've read that it's, like, run through, um, like, it was run through a keyboard, but not, like, n- like, I think they really had to rig that up. Like, that was... That was a lot of yeah. signal path changing to get that to. That was a lot of tinkering yeah, to get that to work, and and I would imagine you kind of got what you got and hoped that it, <laughs> hope, hope that uh, you were rolling tape because who knows, uh, to be a fly on the wall during that session would be. Yeah. Where did they they recorded it? Uh, uh, partly in the yeah, Bahamas, I was say. and partly in Philadelphia. Okay. okay. And I don't know what they ca- I don't know what they captured didn't, where. Didn't they record? They recorded all the music down in the Bahamas, and then, and maybe. I, but then David took took all the tapes home to New York, and I think he recorded like a lot yeah. of the vocals like in his home. Um, maybe at least for demo versions, but yeah, I would think for demo. Yeah. I don't think they had the technology. Right. To, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to get as <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah. Really great. So, what's your what's your favorite what's your favorite tune on the album? You say, oh man. I mean, like I said, it's the first five tracks are just like blow me away, mm-hmm. awesome. The last three are still yeah. cool, and overall, it's still a solid album. Born Under Punches, man, that's the one I want right? to sing along to the most. It is. It's, it's just the it's just the best <laughs> sing along yeah. to in, in air quotes. Yeah, it's just the best track. And I mean, I think my cliche answer would be uh, Once in a Lifetime. I mean, that's I mean, that's a transcendental. Even though it's even though it's there, you know it's it. That music that video, music video is great. Oh man, all his all his moves, which wasn't 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 it choreographed by? Uh, uh, oh, oh, was Mickey, that Jonathan no, Demi oh, too? Oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, Mickey, it was that the Got you know no that idea. song. Uh, I know the song, but the I'm girl like, who what sang the girl who that? sang that choreographed that music video. Um, right, I'm, I'm googling this oh, here. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so, um, I love his <clears throat> intensity and his his energy around just yeah. nonsense. It's it's like watching like a brilliant human brain break down. Uh, very cool video. Let me. All right, I'm I'm looking up once in a lifetime choreography. If I can remember how to spell choreography, there we go. <laughs> uh, Basil. Tony Basil. That's it. Basil? Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're oh, so Mickey. fine. Oh, you Mickey. Yeah, you're mind. right. Hey, Mickey. Da, 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 yeah. Da, hey, Mickey. Uh-uh. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a passionate performance. Um, cr- you know, Cross-Eyed and Painless was kind of a hit song. That was kind of a hit, right? Yeah, I love that one. Um, Lost my shape. That's a, that's a really cool one. I mean, that's one, that's one that, um, 
I remember Fish did a really good job, and they did, they enjoyed that one. So they play that all the time going forward. Um, probably, I guess if you're going to cover one, that's probably the one you could cover. Cross eyed pants. Did, did Trey land the rap? Uh, I mean, so I mean, simple, define so land. <laughs> they don't land anything. <laughs> you know. Let's just twist the truth around. Was it? Was I mean? That album came out pretty early. That was right around the time that uh, Debbie Harry, quote unquote, invented rap, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, what I'm, was that song? What was that song? I, uh, I'm not really a qualified person to talk about the the history of rap, but I, I gotta believe that it was only a few years in. It was a super fresh, yeah. like new avant garde yeah. idea, and of course, David Byrne was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna do that." Yeah. I'm gonna incorporate this. This, I think, there's something here. It's kind, it's kind of goofy. It's kind of goofy, but uh, so simple. Yeah. Well, he's talking about objective information. That's the topic of your song. Right. Is what are facts? Facts don't do what I want them to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dedicated to just what. Right, right, right. <laughs> Nonsense. I love it. Um, Houses in motion has maybe the coolest, like li- like little clavinet part, bang, right? Bang, 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 yeah. The clavinet yeah. bass, yeah. I love it, man. See, that, Such a cool sound. I mean, that's like, that's like a tune if you can, you know, if you can pull off, people are going to dance, you know, that's that's a great one. I love, oh, yeah. I love that one. That's, but that's it. That, that, those first five songs are just, they're, they're, I mean, man, I will say this, they sequenced this album perfectly because you've got... And that's high praise coming from you because I, I know you're always talking about how you want to change the track order on on albums because i don't i don't mind a i don't mind a a song that i'm not as into but yeah make those tracks you know seven and eight six and seven they really front loaded it yeah, yeah. i love that last the, i mean i love it's just so it's the uh 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 the overload it's such a dirge it's so it's so dark it's so i mean it's cool it's a I, 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 I'm sure people don't like it, but I love that that that's the album ender. That's the album closer. It's it's a bummer of an ending. Like it's it's dark and ominous. Right, because you partied for. It's, it's for this five, feeling of doom. Yeah, you partied for five songs, and yeah, it's uh, there's certain synth parts and effects in that song, and I'm like, I can't believe this is 1980. Like this sounds like this would be on like a cutting edge like 2000 yeah, electronic sure. track or something. Yeah, like a like a Nine Inch Nails tune or something. Yeah, um, and uh, I think they captured the Joy Division vibe. Yeah, you know, people tell that story about how they they read about Joy Division. They didn't actually listen to them, <laughs> but they made a song, you know, uh, capturing what they imagined Joy Division to sound like. Was that, I, was that I, right? I hear it a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, and the <laughs> vocal awesome. delivery. I, I hear Ian Curtis in there. That's pretty funny. So then, then did they li- then did they finally listen to Joy Division? Yep, and supposedly they were disappointed that it was more like straightforward rock music oh, no. in their minds. Oh no, I'm I'm a, I'm a so-so Joy Division fan. I I can get into certain stuff. I know a lot. Talking Heads is way better. Yeah, I know a lot about a lot of bands, but Joy Division is one that I've never dipped my toe into. You you don't strike me as a fan of uh, punk, post-punk, doom and gloom sort of stuff. You don't probably not. Well, if 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 this if this track sounds Sounds better than what Joy Division actually is. Then yeah, well, I might it's, not. It's a matter of an opinion. Joy, Joy Division has some bangers. Let okay. the uh, the record stand there. Okay, they, they got some good numbers, but yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I don't. You you like the more musically sophisticated stuff, maybe. Yeah, I mean, but I also like just just a good groove, and that's what this album has. Just yes, you know. Oh, I mean, hey, that's that's plenty musical sophistication. If even if it's that's not right. with tonal notes, you're doing it with rhythmic ideas. I would love to hear, 
you know, VH1 did those classic albums, right, where they would get the guys back in the studio and they, you yeah. know, they, uh, if you've ever seen like the Steely Dan Asia one, they've got the original yep. tapes and they're sitting yep. at the fate, you know, and they're soloing instruments. Oh yeah, I'd you can love, hear the, the individual tracks. Yeah, I'd, I'd love, love to hear that for this album. Oh man, to get the stems for this, just to hear um, how tight, you know, because on some of these tunes, the drum, like, like one drum track doesn't change for six minutes and just to hear, you know, Chris sit back there and just, play yeah. this groove for six minutes right and probably probably adding little ghost notes here and there but you're Masterful. not really noticing them like it's oh man it's great it's great um, i mean that, is, that's that's what makes my life in the bush of ghosts a very cool groundbreaking album and yeah. then remain in light like amazing like that uh, yeah, stuff right. like that that really takes it the extra mile mm-hmm. i mean besides david burns lyrics and vocal right. delivery right yeah, it's 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 very impressive. I, you know, I was I was glad to kind of go. I mean, I always like I said, I've, I I still listen to the album. It's not my go-to, but um, it had been a while since I had listened to the album from start to finish, without any, you know, shuffling or, or finding right. other things. Or because again, if I'm in the mood for Talking Heads, I go, always go straight for Stop Making Sense. Um, but I it was it was fun to listen to it again and go back and just kind of feel the flow and. And he, you know, because it's got a, it's got a great, uh, you know, the tracks tracks have have such a good uh, uh, transitions from one to the next. Yeah, it, it, you know, the you, difference you don't, in mood. You don't lose interest. I mean, yeah, you know, the the back half is a, is a little bit less exciting, but you still don't lose interest because you were you were dancing for you know <laughs> thirty minutes, and then you then you get a little break. So. Yeah, it's, it's and, then, and then even if, if nothing else, the textures, just the combination mm-hmm. of sounds and how each part fits together. I mean, that's also so much of the brilliance of this album. Yeah, it would be it would it would it would be really cool to see what was on the cutting room floor. You know, oh, like uh, I bet so much. What did they take out of you know Cross-eyed and Painless? What did they take yeah. out of Once in a Lifetime? You know, because you know they 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 threw the kitchen sink at it and then just started cutting away at it, which is cool. Which is. Is is how I think a lot of us do it. I don't know about you, but I make music a lot that way because in the digital the subtractive in, approach. Yeah, and I mean in the digital age and in my home studio, yeah. I don't I don't lose money by by trying to throw throw a track on that I you know if I, if I have even just the slightest you know inspiration for a track if it's me clapping or something like just something that you wouldn't expect on it I'll try it. Yeah, and experiment then, and, then, and then delete it later, you know. Um, so to, to for these guys to be able to do that in the late seventies, early eighties is, I bet that was tough. I bet it was tough to to have restraint. I bet that was tough to um, think. You know, think what else can we throw at it? See um, that that's Brian Eno, I think, and that's the yeah. reason that you two hired him and Coldplay hired him, and he did. David Bowie and Brian Eno is the guy who say no, keep going, keep going, keep going. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna take that away. Yeah. No, we're not gonna get like he'll he'll encourage you and then shut you down too. I I would bet that's one of his skills. I bet you're right. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's he, <laughs> he's proved himself to be a great producer. I I'm I'm not a huge fan of many of the projects that he's been involved with, but you know, it's I, pretty I, amazing I, to think he went from this to Viva La Vida. <laughs> I mean, you you too is not. I guess everybody needs a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, he, yeah, everything he had done in the 70s is in the 80s is pretty cool. I mean, it's just you two, just not my cup of tea. So, and that's what I always associate Brian Eno with. So, whenever I'm like, yeah, Brian Eno's part of this, I'm like, mm, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's always, he's going to make things a little more interesting. He's going to mm-hmm. make things a little more textured and, uh, and offbeat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really not just him. It's, it's so many parts. It's David Byrne coming into his own as like one of the most enigmatic, bizarre, and to me, yep. like wonderful and inspirational performers of whatever, this kind of music in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. It's Tina Weymouth being the rock and the person who can all day go, boom, 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 because you freaking need that in a band like this. It could go so haywire if you don't have that, that core. And then her husband... Chris on the drums yeah. doing everything he does and then the way they're able to bring people in and synthesize it with Nona Hendrix. We haven't even talked about her. Right. Doing right. the backing doing, vocals. Doing the backing, yeah. She Which, does, oh my God, that really elevates songs like The Great Curve. And, 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 I, and I, you know, I think bringing in some backup singers really uh, kind of showed them what that, can, uh, what that can bring to the table and that's, that must be why they brought in so many great vocalists for Stop Making Sense, which is what really, to me, elevates that concert uh, yeah. to the next level is because the vocals on that, you know, yeah, the music is great, and you've got Bernie Worrell on there, and you've got these, you know, these, Worrell, fantastic, yeah. these fantastic musicians, but to have, you know, a duo of, of female background singers and also to hire some of the auxiliary uh, musicians that can sing as well, it's, it, man, that, you know, and having... Uh, just just for for the quickest little uh, stop making sense tangent, when they go into Genius of Love, for Chris to be able to play drums as solidly as he does while very non-rhythmically speaking throughout the whole song was always something that I, that I thought talent. was so impressive because it doesn't you if you listen to it you don't think it you it's not the drummer saying all that like who's saying all that right and then you watch <laughs> you watch the footage and yeah. You know, James Brown, James Brown. <laughs> he is the godfather. I mean, just to say all that while keeping the tightest beat. The rhythm section of the, the ultimate version is, of patting your head and rubbing your stomach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tina and Chris, man, like to find, David Byrne got lucky to find a drummer and a bassist that are willing to sit in a pocket for six minutes without deviating and be so solid and not get bored. I mean, yeah, I've played with some great drummers, some great bass players um, in my time, and they and they they all have they all have uh, you know their talents and their you know their their they're they're such pros. But even I, I would you know if you go back and listen to some like recordings of maybe us doing some talking heads tunes, I would imagine someone's throwing a bass fill in there just to you know, which is great, which is great. You put your own little spin on it, but to find to, to be able to have someone like Tina who can just play the same thing. Over and over and over, and serve the song. Ooh man, you know. And I mean, all the instruments are doing that in the Talking Heads. No one's, no one's yeah. being virtuosic and there's no weak link showboating. at all. Yeah, it's which, which, you know, is something. I mean, I'm preaching to to you know the choir here. I need to I need to learn that myself <laughs> sometimes when I play. Right, like just just serve the that song. Discipline. Like, yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. God, this uh, this this album was lightning in a bottle. Just all hands on deck. So many interesting ideas being played with the the willingness to experiment and to like push boundaries. 
Um, and it's, yeah, it's no freaking wonder 40 plus years later, it's still, you know, <laughs> this, this oh, album it, is a big deal for, for holds, people who love a certain kind of music and who like to dive deep. It does not sound dated at all. Oh, it could have been 10, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Could have been at any point. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Their first album, you know, sounds a lot. Uh, it's, 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 uh, what was the one before this? Um, Oh, Fear of Music. Fear of um, Music. That one's a great album, but it, it's great, it's, but a little more dated. Yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. a dated sound to it. This one and Speaking in Tongue tongues are class. Like like there is you know they could have been recorded today or you know totally kind of like Asia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like Produ- this album is kind of like Asia. Production is just at the top. Yeah, crisp, clean. It's impressive. It's impressive. I mean, if, and if that's what if that's what Brian Eno, you know, maybe I need to give that guy more of a chance. I'll, I'll have to dive in, see what he really was doing. You know, his what part of this is really solo him. albums are weird as hell. I like yeah. them. I don't know if they'd yeah. be your thing. It's, I mean, I've tried. I've tried them. I've tried them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, no, he's he's worked with a couple of people in, in interesting capacities. Uh, slow dive a little bit. And- the eighties. The eighties was a weird time because you had these guys like. You know, Eno and some of these other you know musicians really experimenting, but they were so like they were so like held back by yes. technology, um, and it's amazing to see what they were trying to do. But because you know, because they had only a you know Yamaha DX7 to work with or something, yeah. and that was state of the art. You know, <laughs> it, it's it's it was tough for them to, and that's why a lot of it sounds so sounds so dated. Um, but this, I don't know. This album, it, it worked out. They, they, they did everything the right way. And masterpiece. Um, yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing they didn't. I think it's a good thing they didn't have Pro Tools or would have um, made it too easy. You know, a, a Nord keyboard or something. It would have right? kind or, of smooth, smoothed out all the edges, to taken off the energy. Yeah, exactly. Like this. Exactly. Because it's you might sit there be listening, going, "Well, that's a drum loop." Uh, uh-uh, uh it's not a drum loop. You know. It's just a, a drummer playing in the pocket for six minutes. Well, sir, if we want to sum up this thing with three words, what are we going to go with here? Um, I'm going to definitely go with groove because you, you, you can't beat uh, that. Uh, I'm going to go with um, uh, like, mm, I'm going to go timeless because That's what it like is. we've said, it, it it holds up, um, and uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I think I think the last one I'm going to go with is uh, mm-hmm. painless, mm-hmm. cross-eyed and painless. Right? I like it. No, um, I, I love it. It's just, it's just it's it's a fantastic record. I'm going to do communal. Yeah. And I'm going to do polyrhythms. Okay. And experimental. Cool. Great freaking album. Thanks for talking about it with me. You got it. <laughs>